This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast sponsored by Overdrive. Today, we are talking about our best reads of 2022. All three of us, Emma, Joe, and Jill, um, we'd love to hear what you read in 2022 and what you enjoyed. If any of our picks are the same, be sure to let us know on social media we are at Pro Book Nerds on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can send us an email at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. Also, don't forget to get your 2022 reading challenges in. You can send us to those uh, on social media as well or by email. With all of that stuff out of the way, hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. I'm very excited to do this best of the year episode. I can't believe the end of 2022. Yes. Me either. Yeah. I'm so excited. Cannot believe we are at the end of the year. Uh, (laughs) We're not (laughs) close enough yet. (laughs) I know. We're almost to the new year and a little bit of a break prior. But at least we're here to talk about something very fun. We read a lot of books this year, collectively, between the three of us. Yeah. And we're going to just call out some of our best ones. And I think you will probably recognize some of these picks if you've listened to episodes from us throughout the year. Um, But we'll talk a little bit about why we love them and why they made the cut. So who would like to start? I, I would love to. I would love to Joe. start. Joe would love to start. <laughs> so before I get started, I want to just preface my list. Uh, my personal reading goal for this year has been to tackle some of the oldest books on my TBR. Uh, and second, many of my titles are from authors I have interviewed this year. I have read so many amazing books for the podcast and for me, but these are the books that just stand out. I've handed arcs off to friends to read, then purchased my own final copy. I've reread whatever it might be. Uh, These are the books that just really jumped out at me. So my first book is an October debut title from 2022. And I had the honor of interviewing the author for the pod. This is Jackal by Aaron E. Adams. I have brought this up several, many times. This was absolutely a book that I handed to one of my really good friends and said, oh my gosh, you have to read this. Um, this uh, Jackal just really stuck with me. Um, I find those opportunities to bring it up, to recommend it to friends. And I cannot say enough good things about this book. A, a brilliant debut title. And I cannot wait to see what comes next from Aaron. Jackal follows Liz Roche as she returns to her small hometown in Johnstown, PA for her best friend's wedding. She has fear, pain, and trauma around this return, but she does her best to come back home for her friend. Uh, She makes it through the day, but somewhere between dancing and dessert, Caroline, the the couple's young daughter, disappears. And like many of the young Black girls from Jonestown who disappeared before her, Caroline's disappearance is marked by both 
human and potentially supernatural clues. Liz is the only one to call out this pattern and actually get attention for it. And as she digs deeper, she sees just how far back these crimes run. Uh, this book is beautifully written. And the whole time you have to remind yourself that this may actually be supernatural. It gives get out vibes. It tells the story of willful ignorance, hidden racism coming to light, and so much more. Yeah, I the the cover strikes me every time I see it. It's beautiful. It's a standout piece. It's a, a beautiful kind of like true crime style mystery thriller story, but also has those horror elements, really great uses of different literary devices for narrative storytelling, for pushing forward and for using different motifs throughout the book to keep the reader interested. It's not just text on a page. Now it's a clipping of a news article or it's a Facebook post or yeah. So just a, a really cool read and so happy to have this on my uh, best reads of 2022. Yay. And all of your rave reviews and honestly, everything that I've heard about this book has moved this right on up my non- my non-existent is not the word never ending. There we go. <laughs> never ending TBR. Mm -hmm. It looks like maybe a good winter break read. <laughs> yeah, there's, there is no bad time for this book. I'll go next because speaking of which I feel like there is no bad time for this book. My first book for this list is one I've not talked about on the podcast yet. Woo. Because I just read it over the Thanksgiving holiday. It's a dowry of blood by ST Gibson. The cover is stunning. We'll get that out of the way. And so creepy. But this book is a retelling of sorts of Dracula. And it's told from the perspective of his wife writing letters to him about their life together. Confession of sorts. But it was so good. And it was so different than uh, anything I've read this year. It was creepy. There are obviously elements of romance. There's fantasy. There's a little bit of historical fiction tied in there. And so basically the main character is Dracula's wife, Constanta. And she is a medieval peasant who is laying in the street, dying after a a horrible set of circumstances. And she's saved from the brink of death by this mysterious stranger whose name is never mentioned in the book, by the way, but you know, Dracula. And he takes her from like the brink of death, transforms her into a vampire and makes her his bride. And they go and like live off in their kingdom. And the, the book follows centuries, like centuries of their life together. They're polyamorous. There's going to be more than one wife. There are a lot of different people they meet. They travel all around. Like they're immortal. So obviously time is <laughs> flexible to them. And it was just so good. It was so good. It was so good. And it was so different than anything I've read. That is A Dowry of Blood by S.T. Gibson that came out earlier this year and highly recommend. It's grim. And there are moments where it is fairly gory. So keep that in mind. I mean, it is a, a, a vampire book. So keep that in mind. But I'm yeah, sorry. just really, really good. I'm, I'm sorry, but you, you say Dracula, but did you mean Carlisle Cullen? 
saving his bride from the yeah. age of death in the streets. So no, like there, I definitely vibes. got Rosalie vibes. Definitely Rosalie vibes. I mean, the listeners um, didn't see it happen, but as you said, dying in the streets after some unforeseen cir- or some unfortunate circumstances, I was just like, it's yeah. Rosalie. Meanwhile, I'm like, isn't there a woman in Nosferatu? How did that work? Was she died in the streets? <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, like, right. Yeah. There's definitely like, yes, I did think a little bit Rosalie Cullen, okay. uh, Carlisle Cullen here. Just as but, long as um, we're all thinking the same thing. <laughs> yeah, and it's an interesting take. I don't think I'm like a vampire reader connoisseur, but like it, you know, I've read a handful of books where vampires are referenced or obviously like in twilight are the main focus. And it's interesting to see what of the vampire lore is picked up in various books or not, you know, like sunlight, a thing or not. The transformation is maybe slightly varied across things. So this was definitely interesting. And again, all told in like letter style form. So I do enjoy that as a style from time to time where she's writing all of these sort of farewell love letters to her husband and retelling, you know, their life together across the centuries. Very quick read as well. I read this in about a day because I really just couldn't put it down. So a dowry of blood, check it out. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds really good. And I do love me some vampires. Yeah. I think I think Dracula is also told in through letters as well, if I remember correctly. I've never actually read it, but I believe that's the case. Anyway, my first pick for best uh book that I read this year was The Honeys by Ryan Lasala. I just there how do you not love this book? I mean, really, it's just so good. So this is about Mars. Um, he's always lived in the shadow of his sister Caroline. And then when Caroline dies under really horrific circumstances, he um, is kind of propelled to learn all he can about his sister and like what happened recently um, because she's grown very distant over the last couple of years. And Mars is gender fluid. He's often excluded from a lot of traditions and that included attendance at the very prestigious Aspen Conservancy Summer Academy where his sister went every year and poured a lot of herself into it. She was part of a a clique known as the Honeys because they keep bees behind their cabin. They're incredibly exclusive. And so Mars goes to Aspen to kind of infiltrate it and learn what he can from the Honeys. The deeper he gets in, things get weird. I I I don't want to spoil too much, but there's like a... It's it's horror. It's kind of like a folk horror, I would say, in line with like Midsummer and the Wicker Man. And like, if you like that kind of story, you will love the honeys. And if you listened to the episode I did with Robin Witten from Audiophile, you know that the audiobook of the honeys was named one of the best audiobooks of the year by Audiophile. So you can always listen to the audiobook as well and have a fantastic experience that way. So yeah, that's the honeys. Just so good. So good. We love Ryan LaSala. Uh, his social around all of this, the different outfits he curated for different parts of his tour, everything about this was fantastic. And I love a folk horror. I love a any form of like, is this a, a spooky story for around the campfire turned mm-hmm. terror? Beautiful book. Agreed. Agreed. My next pick, uh, no surprise to hear me bring it up again, 
this is a beautiful LGBTQIA plus YA rom-com, uh, The 99 Boyfriends of Micah Summers by Adam Sass. I also had the wonderful privilege to talk to Adam on the podcast. And this is just a great take on a Cinderella tale that gives important advice, incorporates beautiful illustrations, and is an updated take and honest portrayal of young love in the queer community. Micah is a rich, dreamy, and charming prince of Chicago. His dad is a local celebrity sports radio host known as the King of Chicago, and he has everything going for him. But unfortunately, he is also the prince of imaginary meet-cutes since he's too nervous to actually ask boys out. Instead, Micah draws each crush to share on Instagram with a post about their imaginary dates. 99 boyfriends later, his account is hugely popular and anonymous, and he's eagerly awaiting Boy 100. And so is Micah. He's determined that Boy 100 will be, one, will be different. This time, Micah will sweep the boy off his feet for real. So when Micah flirts with a hot boy on the L who's wearing a vegan leather jacket and, and lugging a ton of library books... I mean, come on, uh, already sounds perfect to me, a ton of library books, lugging them around. He is sure this is boy 100, but right before he can make his move and ask for the boy's number, he rushes off the train, leaving behind his pumpkin embroidered jacket. The jacket holds clues to the boy's identity, so Micah and his friends set off on a quest to return it. Along the way, Micah will discover that the best relationships aren't fairy tales. In fact, the perfect fit and true love might be closer than he thinks. It is a heartwarming story, it is real, it has some grit to it, and it has important conversations of things that you need to think about if you are a parent raising a child that's uh, queer, if you are a queer person who needs something to identify with or to notice the struggles of. This is just a really great book all around. A cute, easy read fairy tale uh, centered in reality, uh, but also with messages that we all kind of need to take to heart. So that is the 99 Boyfriends of Micah Summers by Adam Sass. That one looks so good. And I love the cover as well. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> the cover is so fun. And if you like the cover, those style illustrations are throughout the book because it represents his Instagram account that he's running anonymously. And yeah, it's, oh, it's a good one. Another one that I gave the arc away because I was like, you have to read this now. Yeah, I love that though. When the excitement is so real, you're going to give away your arcs so that more people can read it. Right. When you love it that much that you don't want to let it go, but you have to have more people read it. My next pick is, I'm going to group them together a little bit so they're in the same vein, uh, is Such Sharp Teeth by Rachel Harrison, where we'll just continue some of the creepy vibes uh, on my list. This book was a surprise for me. I don't normally read horror. As I've said many times, I like to stick in the romancy thriller vibe. But if you listen to our conversation with Rachel Harrison, you'll know that she somehow writes horror that feels cozy and comfortable, if that makes any sense whatsoever. And I felt like she really did that with such sharp teeth, where in this book, Rory ends up going back to her hometown, moving in to take care of her sister who is pregnant and her estranged from the baby's father. So, you know, her, she's there to help out her sister. She's like, I'll, you know, be here for you while we go through this. And then I'm going to return back to my real life in New York. And when she's home, she runs into an old flame or an almost flame. And 
hits a large animal with her car, which in this case, because it's horror, turns out to be a werewolf. She survives this werewolf attack and then strange things start happening. And this was just a really cool story about body horror, grappling with all these things, big changes. And there's a little bit of romance thrown in. There's a lot of like relationship stuff. There was some comedy. There's obviously darkness. It it just had, it has everything. It really does. It has everything. So such sharp teeth by Rachel Harrison was definitely one of my top picks of the year. And she was truly a delight to hang out with. It didn't feel like a, it wasn't an interview. It was truly just like a fun zoom hangout sesh. Yeah. It was like, just, we were chatting over coffee, mm-hmm. maple lattes, I think is I, what I we talked about was, in the interview. I believe it was uh, maple lattes. <laughs> But definitely check out our conversation with her if you have not. And I would definitely keep your eyes on Rachel Harrison. I think she's just going to continue to have really wonderful books in the horror space. If that's a weird thing to say, wonderful horror, but. No, I agree. There's a beautiful renaissance going on right now in the horror community that it's Mm -hmm. finally being recognized as a community of its own that horror writing is different from thriller from cycle like yeah no I'm I'm here for it and she is absolutely someone to watch and enjoy oh agreed also I'm coming in with vampires and werewolves back to back didn't see that one coming yeah see I thought I'd keep keep all the vibes together (gasps) organize my picks a little bit more by mood (laughs) my next pick is Our Missing Hearts by Celeste Ng. I read this in like a day. It's so good. Um, So this is about a 12-year-old bird. Bird lives a quiet existence with his loving but broken father, a former linguist who now shelves books in a university library. His mother, Margaret, is a Chinese-American poet who left the family when he was nine years old without a trace. Bird knows not to ask too many questions about his mom, Um, For a decade, his family's life and most of society has been governed by laws written to preserve, quote unquote, American culture in the wake of years of economic instability and violence. To keep the peace and restore prosperity, the authorities are now allowed to relocate children of dissidents, especially those of Asian origin, and libraries have been forced to remove books seen as unpatriotic. This does not sound at all familiar. So Bird has grown up disavowing his mother and her poems. He doesn't know her work or what happened to her, and he knows he shouldn't wonder. But when he receives a mysterious letter containing only a cryptic drawing, he is pulled into a quest to find her. His journey will take him back to the many folktales she poured into his head as a child, through the ranks of an underground network of librarians and the lives of children who have been taken. So Our Missing Hearts is sort of speculative fiction is probably the best way I can describe it. It's set in a somewhat near future. Um, And if you're reading it, and when I was reading it, I kept getting sort of like vague feelings of The Handmaid's Tale. And Celeste does mention that in her author's note at the very end of the book and sort of what she's sort of like her looking at what is happening in the world right now and where it could potentially go. And in her case, because Celeste herself is Chinese-American, that's sort of the the avenue she chose. This book was so good. If you've read any of Celeste's book, you know she's just an incredible writer. And the story, just this idea of like an underground, it's essentially like an underground railroad led by librarians. What's not to love about that? So there's a lot of like library love, sort of seeing Bird 
kind of navigate this world of his American white father and then this Chinese American mother. And the Our Missing Hearts refers to a poem she had written years ago that kind of becomes sort of a, a mantra of the resistance is probably the best way to put it. And oh gosh, this book was just so good. I loved it so much. And again, I read it in like a day because I just could not stop. I just love everything Celestine writes. And she's originally from Cleveland. So shout out there. I'm going to say love for our Ohio authors. Mm-hmm. Celeste, Celeste is a brilliant writer. She is. She is. And they, Cleveland is not specifically mentioned, but there is a reference to Bird's mom coming from a Rust Belt town. I was like, okay, I see here. <laughs> we see what you did. <laughs> Battleship is a fun board game a lot of us played as kids. As an adult, Calendar Battleship is the frustrating game you play with your doctor, trying to find when you're both free for an appointment, like in three months. With ZocDoc, booking an appointment with a doctor that suits your needs, fits your schedule, is in your network, and in your neighborhood is easy. You know, I'm getting older, and with that, I'm starting to think of all of the things I didn't do in my early 20s, like finding a dermatologist. But with ZocDoc, it was easy and quick to find a dermatologist in my area and in my network. ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. On ZocDoc, you can find every specialist under the sun. Whether you're trying to straighten those teeth, fix an achy back, get that mole checked out, or anything else, ZocDoc has you covered. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc, and I'm one of them. It's my go-to whenever I need to find and book a quality doctor. Go to ZocDoc.com slash ProBookNerds and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash ProBookNerds. ZocDoc.com slash ProBookNerds. So uh, if Emma was just talking about vampires and werewolves, I guess I'll do it too. Look, I don't buy into the phrase guilty pleasure because I do the things I love um, and I'm not guilty about any of them, but this might actually be a guilty pleasure for me. I know I've brought it up several many times and y'all are aware we did a retro on Twilight and I'm not picking the Twilight Saga as one of my best reads of 2022, but I feel like I have to because it consumed more than a month of 2022 for my reading and listening. So I am ashamed to say on my list of best reads of 2022 is Midnight Sun by Stephanie Meyer. No, but it's so good in it's comparison. So good. Like, in in the comparison. The rest of the series. Exactly. Like 100%. So like first and foremost, this is, I'm going to keep this very brief because I won't talk on this book. We've got like six hours dedicated to the Twilight Saga and its ancillary materials in this year worth of podcast. But Midnight Sun, if you read everything and then you cap it off with Midnight Sun, you go, oh, okay, she made it all make sense. As much sense as Stephanie Meyer can make of this series, but she took all of those materials, all of those plot holes, all of the bits that you're like, yeah, when she was writing this, she was having a grand old time. But Midnight Sun comes in and we get perspective of who is Edward? What does he feel like? And the fact that like this audiobook is double the Twilight audiobook makes sense because 
for every one Bella thought that Bella has, Edward has like 45 because he's running on vampire speed. And yeah, so Midnight's on Stephanie Meyer. She doesn't need the publicity, but boy, oh boy, it is on my my list of best reads of 2022 because uh, spiritually taking in all of Twilight did something to me. So it has to go on my list. That's that. <laughs> it was a big undertaking and a large part of your reading year. So I feel like that that. And it changed counts. me. It, it changed yeah. me. I, I mean, that's I, what matters. I feel like a John Green book now. There is a before and an after. But but truly, like there is there is a moment in which I was against understanding anything Twilight, and then there is where I am now that I casually bring it up when when Emma talks about her epistolary vampire novel, and I go, of course. So yeah. Thanks. In a similar vein of reading what you will. I am going to say that one of my favorite books of this year is The Ink Black Heart by Robert Galbraith. This is the, what is it? Sixth book in the Cormoran Strike mystery series. This is probably the most complex one of the series yet. And it is a daunting tome of like a thousand pages. I did listen to the audio of this and it was like 40 plus hours, which as you may or may not know from listening to other episodes, I am not a big audiobook reader. An audiobook of that size is hugely daunting for me to try to get done in the <laughs> lending period. But this flew by because there were so many really complex elements and really compelling. I don't know in any mystery. I love those little bits that are sort of peppered throughout that you can like, you can piece it together, um, ostensibly by all of these things, but I am always like surprised at the end when you're like, Oh, or it's somehow surprising. And it all makes sense because, you know, anyways, authors, the right mystery. I'm so impressed by them. Um, but this book follows Edie Ledwell. She's the creator of a really popular web cartoon. And she's really interested in finding out who this person online is that's pretty much been harassing her. So she takes her case to the main characters of this series, Cormoran Strike and Robin Ellicott, asking if they'll start an investigation. And they're like, we don't really do cyber crime. We're not really interested in getting into like Twitter, you know, and all of that stuff. And shockingly, again, this is a mystery. So shockingly, uh, Edie does end up murdered and they're kind of drawn into the case uh, for a whole other reason to try and figure out if this person has anything to do with the murder. And there's a lot of really interesting elements here because there's a lot of social media referenced in this book. There are a lot of interesting formats. I had to look up the ebook while I was listening to the audio because there's like conversations in uh, like chat rooms that are brought up. There's lots of like web comments. So it was also really interesting in terms of style. You as a reader are getting clues that even the detectives in the book don't have yet. And I thought that was really cool. So this was one of the most complex mysteries I've ever read. Uh, in my opinion, very satisfactory conclusion. Um, so if that is your thing, uh, that was The Ink Black Heart 
by Robert Galbraith. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There is no hood like parenthood. When you meet a fellow parent, you just kind of get each other on a whole nother level. Hi, I'm Kanika Chanda Gupta. I'm a former CNN journalist, mom of three, including twins, and host of That's Total Mom Sense, the podcast. I interview change makers on their life lessons, legacy, and superpower of intuition, aka their mom sense and dad sense. I've had some pretty amazing parents on my show. Hey, what's up? I'm Kelly Rowland. Hi, this is Chelsea Clinton. It's me, Bobby Brown. Can't wait to share my story. Episodes release every Thursday. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and on YouTube. Join my tribe at thatstotalmomsense.com and follow me on Instagram at Kanika Chadda Gupta. I'm thrilled to be on this journey with you. I will say knowing how much you read mysteries, the fact that somebody can surprise you is always impressive, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, and I go back and forth when we're reading. I did this with Ruth Ware's It Girl, where I sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm going to guess who it is. I'm going to guess it's this. And I like write it down and I'm like on page, whatever. I think it's this, like this is. And then sometimes I don't do that. And I'm like, oh, we'll just like see where the story takes you. But in this, it made perfect sense, but I also was shocked. So do without what you will. <laughs> I I also will say I love the approach um, that's like coming across all of our books lately of trying different formats of engagement to entertain the reader. Uh, you know, I, I have an yeah. upcoming conversation uh, that y'all will hear in, in 2023 where a big part of it is just how, as an author, can you make books more engaging for your audience? And I think that's a really cool thing we're seeing come to light. I mentioned it earlier with Jackal, pulling in different forms of printed media, basically, yeah. well, you know, in media on the page. And I, I, I do enjoy that, that new take on reading, that if you're listening to the audiobook, you don't necessarily lose anything. Um, and if you're reading the ebook or the print version, you've got an exciting uh, little visual twist. Agreed. Agreed. So my next pick is Carrie Soto is Back by uh, Taylor Jenkins Reid. Love Taylor Jenkins Reid. And this book, I just, I love this book so much. Um, It is the fourth in sort of the Taylor Jenkins Reid universe that is Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, Daisy Jones and the Six, Malibu Rising, and now this one. And you are introduced to Carrie Soto in Malibu Rising very briefly in a scene that is not necessarily super flattering. Not the best light to to be introduced to a character. But I love that then this is sort of like leaned into when Carrie Soto is back. She is a tennis player. She's at the top of her game. And she has uh, recently retired. And as she sees up-and-coming tennis players her title like her her sort of titles 
um, her legacy, I guess, is probably the best word, is at risk because there are these up-and-coming tennis players who have the potential to sort of um, win more overall titles on her and so she tries to get back into the game and is a little rusty and um she's not a likable character and i love that about her because you still like her because she's not likable if that makes sense like i i loved that she is not super likable and she's fine with that and she just sort of owns her self and and who she is i don't know a lot about tennis at all really and i love this book i did recommend it to my sister who does know tennis and loves tennis and she loved it so even if you're not a tennis player or person or if you are a tennis person there's so much to love about this book and again like just this idea i loved these books just because they are sort of in the same universe of callbacks to different characters that sort of is this through line through these four books of of taylor jenkins read so carrie soto's back so good and it, it speaking of covers, like I do love the very gold cover that is presented, at least for the U.S. edition. <laughs> the books are really pretty. And they are. if I weren't trying to focus on some of my, my backlist titles at this point, the two of you have absolutely put all of Taylor Jenkins Reid's books on the top of my TBR because... I, I get the same like face of shock every time you two start talking about one of her books and go, oh, right, shoot, I gotta read those. <laughs> and that just, truly yeah. happened today. Yeah, she just takes very complex. I mean, um, I think all of the books are sort of have women protagonists who are complicated and have their own personal things that they're all dealing with in very different ways like you know the books together cover like 50 years and again you sort of see these characters pop up and they kind of all fit together um but not as a series necessarily so yeah good stuff oh i'm just gonna make us talk about taylor jenkins read again in a little bit so okay okay (laughs) i know i was sort of like do i interrupt do i interrupt your next pick joe to just like carry on the taylor yeah absolutely okay really quick we're messing up the order but one of my top books of 2022 that i read was daisy jones and the six by taylor jenkins read i finally got around to this after many years of meaning to this was one where I shopped my own shelf and I picked up the hardback off my bookshelf and was like, I'm going to read what I want. And it is this. And oh my gosh, what great timing, because we also got the sneak peek of the show this week. Uh, if anyone's seen that, I screamed out loud at the photos of Sam Claflin as I'm, I will, um, yes, Billy. Die. I will die. Oh my gosh. So yes, now is the time to read Daisy Jones and the Six. If you haven't already, get in on the Taylor Jenkins read train ahead of the show that comes out, I think in March. But this was so cool. It pieces together the rise of a 1970s rock band from all these different perspectives. And I, you just, you have to. Daisy is like an it girl in Los Angeles. She kind of gets roped in to this band called the six it's like Fleetwood Mac E there's like chemistry between Daisy and the lead singer of the six but they all have their own lives going on and just all these other things and I did really really enjoy again the writing style of this it's told through different perspectives of all the people that were there 
So you get a lot of really interesting descriptions for various things that happen, because as we all know, memory is tricky. Um, you can all be in the same room and explain something completely different way, um, based on what happened. And then, yeah, if you like Taylor Jenkins read, knowing a little bit more about Daisy Jones and the six, there is a reference in this to Mick Riva. Um, so yeah, if, if you're kind of in the Taylor Jenkins read universe, um, this one will not disappoint. You'll kind of see some familiar faces and, and, and storylines. So yeah, read it. The year this book came out, which I think was 2019, I read it like three times. I continue to read it every year. I will listen to the audiobook as well. Like I, this this is my favorite book of all time is Daisy Jones and the Six. I love it so much. I would marry it if I could. Like, I, like I, I cannot put into words how much I love Daisy Jones and the Six. And I'm very, very particular about adaptations because they so often get so messed up. But this one, I, I am cautiously optimistic. And yes, I did post the preview on our TikTok and was like the way and did like the trend where it's like the way men acted when the Joker came out. This is my Joker and I'm going to be so much worse. <laughs> like, Yes. It, and it, it does come out in March. So. And that's an endorsement from Jill. She loves this so much. She would marry it if she could. So Daisy Jones and the Six by Taylor Jenkins Reid. On to Jill. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> My, I'm here's another short one for me because I brought this up in November book picks. I have um, interviewed this author. This is Wicked Little Things by Justin Arnold. Another debut that made my list because it really just spoke to me and you can catch my interview from earlier in November, but I just wanted to call it out. Uh, not only did I have a comical moment while reading where something just like fell off my fridge because it was like the middle of the night, I'm reading this spooky book. Um, and it startled me to the point where I had to walk through my house and make sure there were no creeps. Uh, but it's also a fun, fresh LGBTQ plus YA title about witches, magic, dealing with grief, and accepting all of the parts of yourself. Um, it's Heather's meets, you know, it's like Mean Girls, Heather's, all of that in just a beautiful little spooky package. Um, and if you need a, a mystery whodunit, there's a horror killer on the loose. This is a fun one for you. It's a quick read uh, and it's a great time. Beautiful art from Tiny Ghost Press, uh, Wicked Little Things by Justin Arnold. So my next pick, back to me, uh, is something I don't really need to talk about. So again, I'll be super brief. And it was House of Sky and Breath by Sarah J. Mass. This is the second book in the Crescent City series. For Sarah J. Mass fans, if you haven't read this series yet and you've been putting it off and you're like, no, thank you. It looks long and boring. And I only want to read A Court of Thorns and Roses. Trust me when I say you need to read all her other stuff. And that is all I can reveal. This book is good. I don't know what else to say. It blew my mind. I finished it at like two in the morning, which is rare for me to be up that late reading because I have a small child and he wakes up at six o'clock, regardless of whatever my schedule is. And I remember finishing this book and 
like silent shrieking because I didn't want to wake anybody up, obviously. And then being at a complete total loss as to who to turn the, who do there's nobody to tell it to in the morning that you've just finished the most outrageous book. I should have filmed my, my face reading the, the end of this. Yeah. That's all I'll say. One of the most wild books I've ever read. It is sexy. It is fast paced. There is a lot of stuff that happens, like a lot of stuff that happens in this book. I own five copies of it. Like, I don't, I don't know what to say. Um, so yeah, house of sky and breath by Sarah J mass here is putting it out there that we get an announcement for the next book in 2023. That's all. (laughs) One day, one day I'll read at least one of her books. I know. For you alone, Emma. No, at least two, Joe. I'm raising you at least two because it depends on which two. Well, you'll have to pick the the two. (laughs) I will pick the two. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) My new challenge for 2023, read at least two Sarah J. Mass books. I'm just Uh, looking at the five copies. (laughs) That too. (laughs) I mean, you can see all of them. Mm-hmm. So yes, behind me on this shelf, there are five copies of House of Cyan Breath. There are three copies of the first book of the series, House of Earth and Blood. And then I have a box set of Throne of Glass. And I have some fan art from Crescent City. And I have a signed book plate uh, by Miss Sarah herself. So nerd alert. But yeah, I own five copies. If that's not an endorsement, I don't know what is. <laughs> I mean, no, that's a that's a that's a that's a solid endorsement. Or like a sign of dedication. Something else. No, no, I don't dedication. Know. dedication. It's dedication. <laughs> that's what it is. My next one is just like home by Sarah Gailey. This is a gothic thriller horror um about Vera. Vera's mom is sick, and Vera and her mom have been estranged. Vera's dad was a serial killer fun times um who like killed and buried bodies beneath the house that he'd built for his family um but now Vera's an adult her mom is sick and calls Vera home when Vera gets home um there's still a lot of tension between her her and her mom and there's also an artist who has moved into the guest house out back and is slowly stripping the house for parts, essentially, for his art. And then Vera starts getting sort of messages or notes or parts of notes that are written in her father's handwriting, who is dead. And so it's, again, horror, mystery. There's some body horror. Like, I I loved this. I know Sarah has a big following. This is um, their first book of theirs that I've read and it was so good. And um, like all of the rest of Sarah's books have officially been on my TBR and I just haven't gotten to them because it's a very long TBR. But (laughs) as far as introductions to an author go, this was 100% amazing and absolutely one of the best books I've ever read. I, yeah. You've when you've mentioned this before, I'm like, right, right, right on the list. But now I'm like, okay, how am I how am I winding down the year? And today's episode is, I think, informing how I'm going to be winding down my year of reading. It's a lot of horror we're talking about, which is interesting. But it was a good year for horror. It was a great year for horror. I can't get enough of it. I found, I think I found one of my new genres this year, and that might be horror. <laughs> 
So my next pick is an older title. I believe it's from 2016 and I truly just stumbled upon it. You know, when you have a million books to read and you find something new and you decide that's the one. Uh, this is a YA novel. Uh, it is a little bit The Good Place with kind of Gossip Girl vibes about ghosts in the Mall of America. This is I Woke Up Dead at the Mall by Judy Sheehan. When teens are murdered, the universe sends them to the mall. Sarah, our main character, wakes up dead and learns that not only is she dead, but her killer is on the loose. Can she solve the mystery of her own demise? When you're 16, you have your whole life ahead of you, unless you're Sarah. And not to give anything away, but she's dead. Murdered, in fact. Sarah's murderer is shocking because she couldn't be any more average. No enemies, no risky behavior. She's just the girl on the sidelines. It looks like her afterlife, on the other hand, will be pretty exciting. Sarah has woken up dead at the Mall of America, and with the help of her death coach, she must learn to move on, or she could meet a fate totally worse than death, becoming a mall walker. As she tries to finish her unfinished business alongside fellow dead teens, Sarah falls hard for a cute boy named Nick, and she discovers an uncanny ability to haunt the living. While she has no idea who killed her or why, someone she loves is in grave danger. Sarah can't lose focus or she'll be doomed to relive her final moments again and again forever. But can she live with herself if she doesn't make her death matter? That's I Woke Up Dead at the Mall by Judy Sheehan. And yeah, I love the sentence, uh, wakes up dead. (laughs) Just a, it's a fun YA pick. It's a great way to... Take a break. Uh, It is such a compelling story. It is somehow a murder mystery without at all being a murder mystery. And once the stakes get introduced, you are immediately just like you are on the ride. You are not letting go. And this was a this was an afternoon read for me. I love everything about that. It just sounds so unique. I mean, and the the way that they use malls, kind of nostalgic and. I don't know, not like Stranger Things-y, but you know, like the right. Well, the and even in 2016, era of malls. <laughs> right, right. Even in 2016, malls would have been pretty well dead, I, I guess, except for the Mall of America. And yeah, oh, malls. That I love a mall. My next, I'm looping two together because one is a cheat pick, and one I've already talked about infinitely on the podcast. So I don't think it needs tons more (laughs) to say, but I have to mention one of the best books I read this year was book lovers by Emily Henry. I will never stop recommending it. It is romance for people that don't necessarily read romance. I think it's a really good entree into that because there's a lot of family relationships. There's a lot of personal growth and discovery. There's some spice, but it's not you know, it's not every chapter. It's, it's so good. So in book lovers, we follow Nora. She's like the anti-hero of a Hallmark movie. Um, you know, the one where the big, bad corporate city man goes to a small town and is there to shut down their business. And instead he falls in love with like the inn's daughter or whatever. Um, she's that girlfriend that they leave behind back in New York city. And that's how we begin the story. She's a cutthroat literary agent who's getting dumped by exactly this scenario. Um, Her boyfriend is leaving her for some small town uh, baker 
or something. And she kind of puts herself into that box where she's not going to be the one to get this big romantic, like happy, happily ever after. And then we have Charlie, who's uh, also in the same sort of literary space in New York City. He's an editor at a publishing house. So he and Nora have crossed paths in the city in a professional capacity. And funnily enough, they both end up in Sunshine Falls, North Carolina for various reasons. And they keep running into each other. And in just like a series of coincidences, they might uncover that they have a lot more in common than they thought. It's so good. Read book lovers. And then my cheat next quick mention is that I already got to read an early copy of Emily Henry's next book, Happy Place, that comes out in April of 2023. And I read it in 2022. So this technically counts. And I'm so sorry that I'm telling you about it like six months in advance, but man, can this woman write a book? So thank you, Emily Henry, for absolutely devastating me uh, with Happy Place. I read it over Thanksgiving and I have not stopped thinking about it since. I'm going to read it again. So if you have not read anything by Emily Henry yet, I encourage you to do so. I think she's, I mean, she, like, I don't think she's on the rise. Like she, it's just, yes, Emily Henry fan club. I was going to say Emily Henry, come on the podcast. She's been on the podcast, but Emily Henry, come back to the podcast. And, I love that energy. Uh, yeah. So that was Book Lovers by Emily Henry. And then a sneaky shout out to her next book, Happy Place. I mean, just put it out in the universe, you know, maybe she'll come back. That's all you can do. That's all I can do. Also, yes, yeah, like peak Emily Henry time. She's not on the rise. She's like at the top. My next one is The Last Housewife by Ashley Winstead. I have mentioned this before, um, I think in our August books preview, and then probably after I actually read it. <laughs> um, this book, I, I, this is like a book I can't stop thinking about. So this is about Shay when Shay was in college in upstate New York. She and her best friends met a captivating man who seduced them with a web of lies about the way the world works, bringing them under his thrall. By senior year, Shay and her friend Laurel were the only ones who managed to escape this like weird cult situation thing. Now, eight years later, Shay's built a new life in a great Texas suburb. But when she hears the horrifying news of Laurel's death, delivered of all wise by her favorite true crime podcast, Crusader, she begins to suspect the past she thought she buried is still very much alive. And the predator is more dangerous than ever. So recruiting the help of her of the podcast host, she goes back to the place she vowed never to return to in search of answers. As she follows the threads of her friend's life, she's pulled into a dark, seductive world where wealth and privilege shield brutal philosophies that feel all too familiar. The best way I can describe this book is like it's partly inspired by a weird sex cult situation that happened at Sarah Lawrence. Of, but ago, I don't remember how long ago it was, but there was like an article in the cut or something several years ago. And then there's also like a weird sort of like eyes wide shut undercurrent kind of sort of. This was like everything I needed in one book. It was just so good. And definitely one that has twists that I did not see coming. And so if you like, you know, 
being surprised, this one will probably surprise you. And who doesn't love books about podcasts as well? You know, I have a special place in our heart for podcasts on this podcast. Imagine that. Give me a podcast within a book, a book within a book, a map in a book. Honestly, we could do a whole episode on that because I think we read quite a few books this year where there were podcasts within in the book mysteries. Absolutely. Absolutely. For sure. So I save that for later. Podcast vibes. Yes, without a doubt. So I am also going to combine two picks together uh, because one. Once again, we've talked about so much this year, uh, but I I cannot not shout it out. Uh, Witchlings by Clarabel A. Ortega. This is, <sighs> Jill and I talked about it during our Magic Schools episode, so I, I won't describe it to you. I won't take up too much time, but I, I loved this. It's so brilliant. I'm so excited for book two. Excited that we have a date that it's uh, the Golden Frog Games is coming out in May of 2023. Um, and it's just a beautiful, inclusive magic school series. It hits all the marks, makes you feel right at home and invested in these amazing characters that Ortega has crafted. And yeah, I'm I'm in love with this book and I'm so grateful for a new magic series to eagerly await the next installment of. Uh, but kind of going from that juvenile middle grade title, I wanted to add the other one on my list. Remember y'all, I've been trying to tackle some of the oldest entries in my TBR. And this was one of them, Holes by Lewis Sacker, was released in 1998 and is a National Book Award and Newbery Medal winner. And then in 2003, Disney adapted the book into the film. The film earned uh, 71.4 million worldwide. Uh, Sacker wrote the film's screenplay. And I've watched the movie countless times. I just never got around to the book. And to read this through was an incredible treat. Like it's, it's moving, it's beautifully written. And I enjoyed it greatly and found myself getting emotional and invested. And I'm also excited to know that there's a sequel from 2006 that I didn't know existed. Uh, It's called Small Steps. And I can't wait to read that next. Sacker has been writing since the seventies with the iconic Wayside School books. And he recently released a new Wayside School title in 2020. Uh, But anyway, if you don't know Holes, I don't know how you don't, but it follows Stanley Yelnats. He is under a curse that began with his no good, dirty, rotten, pig-stealing great-great-grandfather and has since followed generations of Yelnatses. Now, Stanley has been unjustly sent to a boys' detention center at Camp Green Lake, where the boys build character by spending all day, every day, digging holes exactly five feet wide and five feet deep. There is no lake at Camp Green Lake, but there are an awful lot of holes. It doesn't take long for Stanley to realize that there's more than character improvement going on at the lake. The boys are digging holes, but the warden is looking for something. But what could be buried under a dried up lake? Stanley tries to dig up the truth in this inventive and darkly humorous tale of crime, punishment, and redemption. Holes, Lewis Sacker. I'm so glad I finally crossed this one off my list, not only because it's a pretty old entry for me, but because it's fantastic. Like, yeah, fantastic. Like, this might be the best book I read this year. And that feels wild to say, but so good, so moving. I want to watch the movie a million times. Uh, also a great audiobook. I love holes so much. Yes. Love holes. The soundtrack to the movie the holds soundtrack. a very special place in my heart. <laughs> yes. 
everything uh, everything about the whole- it the soundtrack the soundtrack was fantastic. I'm going to listen. I feel like I'm going to listen to it this afternoon. Here we come, Apple Music. <laughs> Apple Music or Spotify. Tell us in the comment. No, I'm kidding. My last pick for this list from 2022 is The House Across the Lake by Riley Sager. Uh, we all have a lot to say about Riley Sager, but this book was truly something else. It was unlike any other thriller I've read recently, I continue to go back to what he told us a reader said this book was like when we saw him at our local library over the summer, that this book is banana pants. It is in fact, banana pants, uh, a quick synopsis in case you haven't heard us rave about this before even though we have is that Casey Fletcher is a recently widowed actress. She's had a lot of bad press lately and a lot of drama surrounding her personal life. And she decides to retreat to her family's lake house in Vermont, Uh, very much in the vein of rear window. She has a pair of binoculars and some bourbon, and she takes to watching the neighbors on the lake. It's like a small lake. There are just a couple of houses surrounding. And so there's really not much else to do, but, you know, view your neighbors. And she really latches on to Tom and Catherine Royce. They're a couple that live directly across the lake from her. He is like a tech bro and Catherine is a former model. And one day on the lake, Casey saves Catherine from drowning and they strike up a friendship And as they get to know each other and Casey keeps watching them through the binoculars, uh, things start to look sketchy and confusing. And then Catherine disappears quite suddenly. Uh, And so in a mystery thriller, obviously something is amiss. Uh, But what is amiss, I think, will surprise you. When I say that, like, I try to guess what happens in mysteries and like, you, oh, you pick up on clues. I, I don't know that you can really do that here. I genuinely went into this being like, oh, it's so obvious from chapter one, you're, you like, you think, you know what the situation is and you absolutely don't. So yeah, (laughs) Riley Sager's the house across the lake, I think is one of my favorite of his reads yet. I know we all have a lot of fun things to say about Riley Sager. (laughs) Love him so much. I love his books. When, when you were reading this and then all of a sudden we were all reading this, like <laughs> oh, I, a banana pants story is banana. Pants. <sighs> I had a friend read it after I talked about it and she tech, I, I will not spoil anything, but I'll just say she texted me at one point about one thing. I was like, Oh honey, you have no idea. <laughs> like, I did not tell oh, her yeah. that I will like let her discover it on her own but she was like oh my god I just got to this part I was like mm-hmm, okay keep reading <laughs> uh-huh absolutely my sister was like I, I think like at some point live texting me every time a twist happened I was like well I can tell when she's listening mm-hmm. uh and and my other friend as well did the same kind of thing it was just like wait did that really happen and that was the whole time and then I yeah. think my father talked about it for like three weeks straight yeah bananas story some quick self promo you can listen to my conversation with riley sager talking about this book the house across the lake we'll link it in the show notes 
if you've read House Across the Lake, let us know because, man, some of those twists. Yeah. Yeah. Let us know your thoughts. We want to hear them. Seriously. For, for real. For real. We really um, do, though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, yes, I think after that, we all sort of went on a Riley Seager binge. So, uh, one of the best books I read in addition to that one is The Last Time I Lied by Riley Sager. This is about Emma. She had, it's basically like the Riley Sager at summer camp. I've noticed that his books, they'll like, there's like the Riley Sager in like the car, like the road trip Riley Sager, or this is the summer camp Riley Sager. Emma's a rising star in the New York art scene, turning her past into paintings. She had, when she was younger, had gone to a summer camp and was staying with in a cabin with three older girls, Vivian, Natalie, and Allison. And one night they just went missing. They snuck out and then never came back and no one ever found them. And for years, there have been questions about what Emma knew or didn't know, what her involvement was. It's weird talking about a character named Emma when I have a podcast co-host named Emma, but different Emmas. (laughs) Um, And now the camp is reopening And Emma is asked to come be the art teacher at the camp. And she is assigned to sleep in the same cabin she slept in as a teenager. Although they have put a security camera outside, which is a little weird. And then the longer she's there, some of the past sort of starts to repeat itself. And um, Emma's once again pulled in. This was a wild book. I mean, I like, again, like with they're just you I don't know how he does it I don't know how he does it that he just like has these bananas twists and somehow they all make sense (laughs) in a way that feels very satisfying but up until the last page of the book he will have you completely guessing so Riley I don't know man I don't know how you do it but every time every time love the last time I lied okay look I'm I'm just gonna dive in I am now an absolute simp for Riley Sager. Like, after The House Across the Lake, I went on a journey that weekend to read and rank my favorite Riley Sager books. And I am, like, rabid for the only one left uh, coming out in June of 2023. That's the title. That wasn't like, he's done writing. Oh, my God. (laughs) I I had panic there just saying that. No one has hooked me in a minute like Riley has. All of his books are wild. They are all banana pants. He is excellent at writing twists. And he's always got you wondering if things are going to take a supernatural turn. So the one I have chosen uh, is Lock Every Door by Riley Sager. In Lock Every Door, we follow Jules as she becomes an apartment center at the Bartholomew, one of Manhattan's most high-profile buildings. No visitors are welcome, no nights can be spent out of the apartment if you are a house sitter, and no disturbing the rich and famous residents. Recently heartbroken and just plain broke, Jules is taken by the splendor and accepts the terms, ready to leave her past life behind. As she gets to know the occupants and staff, Jules is drawn to fellow apartment sitter Ingrid, who reminds her so much of the sister she lost eight years ago. When Ingrid confines that the Bartholomew has a dark history hidden beneath its gleaming facade, Jules brushes it off as harmless ghost story until the next day when Ingrid seemingly vanishes. 
Searching for the truth, Jules digs deeper into the Bartholomew's sordid past, but by uncovering the secrets within its walls, Jules exposes herself to untold terrors, because once you're in the Bartholomew, it doesn't want to let you leave. And then a, a little treat for you all. This is very difficult, but this is my Riley Sager ranking. Number one is the house across the lake. Then number two and number three are basically a tie. Truly, like, it's tough because, like, for me, all of his books are, like, The House Across the Lake is my number one. And then two and three are my number two. And then the rest of them are my number three. But here we go. So number two, I have Lock Every Door. Number three, The Last Time I Lied. Number four, Final Girls. Five, Survive the Night. Six, Home Before Dark. That is my ranking as it stands in this moment. But, like, truly, four through six are three. <laughs> and two and three are two. So, you can't go wrong. They're all delightful. And honestly, they just like swap positions around depending on which one I've reread most recently. But that is my as official as I'm willing to make it uh, Riley Sager ranking. And I'm so excited for the new one. I cannot wait. I cannot, I cannot wait. wait. June, the only one left. The cover. The cover. It's giving 70s it's Stephen King. so good. It's, oh. It's so good can't cope we're definitely a Riley Sager fan club here <laughs> I used a word I didn't want to use because it's the truth I'm a simp now wow that's that's 2022 isn't it is that that was I mean 2022 I have that's a yeah, wrap that's a wrap so what a year of reading that was lots of picks lots of books we read for interviews and otherwise and hopefully uh, some of these were your favorites from the year as well if you have other favorites we would love to hear them we love the end of the year kind of best books best things we read you know everywhere because uh, apparently we are gluttons for punishment and just want to continuously have more things to add to our to be read list good problems to have Yes. Thank you so much, everyone, for your picks. Thank you. I can't wait to see what my list looks like next year because <laughs> I know there was some like end of the year coloring for me on this. So I'm yeah. I'm gonna really yeah. try to actively keep a like a notes app note of oh you loved this one the most right now to see see how next year how next year shakes out. Yeah, and we did give you a little bit of a sneak preview of some of the things that we're most looking forward to for next year, based on everything that we really loved this year. So keep an eye out for a future episode where we're going to talk about what we're most looking forward to in 2023, because we're in the great position uh, to have too much to read. We have an abundance of reading materials. So again, good problems to have, but thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the professional book nerds podcast. Happy reading. Happy reading. Happy reading. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on overdrive.com and our library friends can purchase these titles in marketplace. Professional book nerds is proud to be an evergreen podcast signature program to learn about other evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcast.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Emma Dwyer, Jill Grunewald, and Joe Skelly, and presented by Overdrive. To learn more, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Hey, nerds, I'm Sarah, the paper nerd, and if you've ever wondered what goes into that greeting card you just sent or received, 
Well, quite a lot. Get your paper fix on the paper fold where I host an enchanting mix of personalities and players all nerding out on my favorite topic, stationery. From the designs of our snail mail communications to the precious space created when two people correspond, there's a lot to cover. So come grab a seat in the stationery community's only five-star paper salon, The Paper Fold, now part of the Evergreen Podcast Network.